Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined by Meredith. Hello there. Hello. I am committed to not starting this episode by asking you the very general, boring question, how are you? Because I feel like it's too broad. It's boring. It's like asking somebody what the weather is. So instead... I'm going to ask you, because I think we're in a little bit of a unique position where we don't live in the same state anymore. And I am in New York. Meredith is in Wisconsin. So I'm going to ask you this. And I'm sorry I didn't give you time to prep. So no pressure. But what is like one thing you think everybody should know about Wisconsin that nobody or few people outside of Wisconsin know about? Oh, that is... Or, like, something you would recommend if somebody visited Wisconsin. Like, some, like, insider info that, like, I would not have that information. Oh, we have... We're home to one of uh, the coolest uh, now passed away, but we have a very strong outsider art tradition here, which is exemplified by a man who went by Dr. Evermore. Okay. Uh, and he would make, he made huge sculptures out of scrap metal and he had a place that was like his junkyard slash working space that also is like a sculpture park that's called the forever Tron. Oh, cool. And you've been, have you been? Yes. It's only about 40 minutes away. It's kind of like, uh, so it, it is built through all like from all of this scrap metal and it's this weird sort of futuristic steampunky kind of um thing and then there's all kinds of other sculptures and stuff too uh and he was uh still making sculptures until fairly recently when he died of covid oh shit snap by the way that is a perfect response to my (laughs) ambush of a question i asked you also have you ever seen the episode of king of the hill where peggy hill becomes like an outsider artist i have i love that one I was wondering if perhaps he inspired it because I'm like, that's exactly what she does with propane tanks. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so. Um, We also, there's also a place called Concrete Park, which is far up North uh, in a town called Phillips, Wisconsin. And an old dude who had a bar took concrete and old beer bottles and made giant sculptures out of them. So if you would like to see a massive set of the Budweiser horses or a sculpture of Mary Todd Lincoln, you're in luck. I absolutely want to see that. I'm going to make you take me to see that whenever I get a chance to visit you. Oh, you um, mean when you come to see Cocaine Bear? Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot we made that commitment. Hilarious. Apparently, I have already committed to seeing Barbie at midnight. Uh, <laughs> so that will be happening as well. So yeah, you and I need to go see Cocaine Bear. If y'all haven't seen the trailer for Barbie yet, I mean, what are you doing with your lives? God, that... You know, somebody has already put it side by side with the 2001. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, So before we get to recommendations. Oh, first of all, guys, this is our last episode of 2022. We're going to peace out until the new year because um, the next weekend we would be recording is, oh, God, Christmas. Or New Year's? It's one of those. New Year's. It's New Year's. And while you have your outfit already, we (laughs) don't think anyone really needs to be hearing us talk about God knows what um, when preparing to see out this year and get into or listen while they're hungover or like 
not being hungover, whatever it is, starting this, I, yeah, I can't imagine. Right. Uh, guys, I bought a stupid sparkly dress. It's not stupid. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's great. It's just, as you very astutely pointed out, I got it and I tried it on. And I'm like, it's really heavy. And you're like, of course it's heavy. It is literally covered in sequins. So Absolutely Of course covered. it's heavy. In giant sequins, Huge too. Huge sequins, like the size of like a silver dollar if you're 100 years old and you know what that looks like. Um but yeah, like completely coated. So of course, I feel like I'm wearing armor, kind of like chainmail. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're gonna peace out until 2023. So, you know, happy holidays to everyone. Hope you have a wonderful and safe New Year's, and don't feel pressure to come up with a New Year's resolution because they're dumb and they put a lot of pressure on you. Um. It's good to have goals, but you know, be nice to yourself. Also, I wanted to thank. Rosie, I hear Rosie. I want to thank mm -hmm. Rosie for participating in this episode. I also want to thank Daniel, who's my newest Patreon supporter. Thank you so much. I see you. I respect you. I appreciate you. Uh, and then we have a comment from Brian here that I wanted to read. And by the way, guys, I've gotten lazy about this, but I don't post every month anymore at my Patreon. So if you want to send a comment or recommendation, just find the most updated thread and leave a comment on there and I'll get an email notification. But I felt like dumb posting every month saying the same thing. But know that I always see your messages. So Brian writes in, um, helping out a fellow YouTuber and friend with this wreck since she's been dealing with BS copyright claims. Boo. And had Ugh. several patrons patrons have to leave due to financial difficulties. I know what that's like, baby. Uh, I'm wrecking the YouTuber Diamonda Hagen. Oh, you sent me the uh, how I should actually pronounce it. Uh, Diamond. Oh, wait. Diamonda. Diamonda. Yeah. Diamonda Hagen. Okay. The sure. gimmick of her show is she's the brutal dictator of the fictional nation of Hagenstan who reviews movies as a hobby from the basement of her palace. There are a number of running gags, probably the most common being that there's something that if something in a movie particularly pisses her off, she vents her frustrations by executing one of her minions. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the fact that next to no effort is made to hide the fact that nearly all the minions over the years have been played by the same two people, her real life brother and sister in law. Honestly, makes it funnier, in my opinion. That does sound very funny. Yeah, A good that place does. to start might be with her review of the Christian horror film remake. She covers a lot of horror and exploitation flicks on her show, so I think it might be up Charles's alley and our alley. What is this shit with just recognizing Charles when you're talking about horror? It's happened a few times. Hey. Have we not made it clear that we like horror films on this show? I don't know. It seems like maybe we haven't been emphatic enough. Maybe not. Maybe maybe this is on us. Uh, assuming he's not a subscriber already. Brian, what a wonderful recommendation. That sounds like a fucking delight. Um, again, that is uh, Demanda Hagen for everybody. Uh, it sounds like a riot. So, yeah, if you have any recommendations, comments, questions, uh, concerns, anything like that, Allison Kilkenny over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, if you will. Um, yeah, you can support the show for as little as $5 a month and you get to send recommendations. What a goddamn treat. Um, so now that I did all my plugs and whatnot, let's get to recommendations, shall we? Yes. 
Um, so, oh man, I am like all over the map with my recommendation. Do you want to start since I always kind of yeah, kick it sure. off? Um, well, I would be remiss since I told you I'm going to find a way to shoehorn this into recommendations. Literally right now, while we are recording, I have on mute on my television, the, uh, Ukrainian selection program for Eurovision. Uh, I feel like it starts earlier and earlier every year. Like every year when you tell me that you have started to watch like the, the qualifying rounds for Eurovision, I'm like, (laughs) it feels so early. Well, I, uh, I have started watching more of them. I used to really only pay more attention to like Latvia, Lithuania, et cetera. Um, so those happen a little bit later and this time around, like, yes, Ukraine is going pretty early, but yes, it is, it is happening. They are currently broadcasting live from a metro station in Kiev. That's like the most Eurovision thing ever. Well, they have to because it's a bomb shelter. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so they're doing this whole thing on generators underground. Jesus Christ. Um, and it's amazing. I literally wouldn't be able to tell if, <laughs> if, if anything, I didn't know. If anything, the acoustics are really good in a bomb shelter, I well, imagine. At one point it seemed like you could hear a train going by. Sure. Like the trains were still running, mm-hmm. which I think is is better than a lot of weekend service in New York City. I was going to say, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're not an active war zone and um, our trains are constantly running late. So I applaud them for keeping the uh, the schedule running. Yeah. Um, um, one of the crazier uh, yeah. things I've seen in recent memory mm-hmm. was what you posted on Instagram uh, today of you watching... A FIFA match, uh, yep. Morocco versus Croatia. And then on your laptop in front of the TV was Eurovision. <laughs> so you were watching both at the same time. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Gotta get I, up. I just, uh, I would just turn on the sound of uh, every time a song came on and, and just have like the crowd noise in the background. of That actually sounds awesome. It was really fun. It's amazing. Like I'm in a fantastic mood today and it's largely because of, uh, the fact that I've started out with two of my favorite loves. Although I don't think that I could handle another situation where I had to do Eurovision selection overlapping with World Cup ever again. It's too much. It's a I lot. Get overstimulated. <laughs> well, and I, I just can't, I can't handle having my soccer hot man objectification brain mm. and my Eurovision brain happening at the same time. It It overheats. I mean, I'm overwhelmed and I'm not even watching FIFA as consistently as you are merely because you keep sending me shirtless photos of soccer players who are the most beautiful men I've ever seen in my life. And I feel overwhelmed. So (laughs) I can't imagine you watching these matches live. I thought it was wild. I did not know this. And this is my own ignorance speaking. I did not know that no African country had ever meddled in FIFA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't know the, that. And in fact, Morocco's the first to get to the finals. They that was the third place match, so that's the furthest that any um, any African team has ever gotten. Yeah, no, this was the the final game to, is tomorrow, and so then they know they they've this is the furthest any African team's ever made it because they were playing against Croatia for third place. So like the bronze, wild, um, so wild. Yeah, and there. Were, there's only been a handful of teams. I don't remember the exact number uh, 
of African nations that have ever made it to the quarter, like to the semifinals, mm-hmm. um, which was the last round. So they've done amazingly well. I highly recommend. Uh, I, I sent Alice in this video earlier. If you need a ray of sunshine, there's a short video of uh, Muniz Bono or Bono's Bono. I forget how you say it, but it's not Bono. Son <laughs> mistaking a microphone for an ice cream cone uh. and then trying to eat it. And it's the greatest thing that I've ever seen. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm on that kid's side because, first of all, it looks like a fucking ice cream cone. It does. And secondly, get him fucking ice cream. What are you doing? Why are we still doing this interview? That child wants ice cream. Go get him ice cream. I bet he got ice cream right after that, to be honest. I certainly hope so. I mean, that kid's been a trooper. And Mm -hmm. uh, at one point, he was playing soccer with his dad on the pitch, and he had his dad's keeper mitts on. And it was so sweet. Adorable. So recommendation right off the bat for Meredith for Eurovision. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, guys, get on my level. Let me just lose my damn mind on all of this. Uh, what's the other thing that I wanted to recommend? It wasn't um, FIFA? It was not FIFA. Okay. I do have a fantastic idea. Uh, my sister and I have been coming up with uh, movie pitches based on how corrupt FIFA is. Oh, my God. And yeah. So far, our favorite <laughs> is um, somebody goes to assassinate someone from FIFA at a World Cup succeeds, but he's planned, he's prepared himself to be killed while being searched for, but he turns into an international hero because everybody's sick of FIFA's shit. Oh, yeah. Honestly, sounds like something that might actually happen. (laughs) I mean, people would not be sad about it. No, Um, no, no. not a beloved organization for valid reasons. Yeah, I do. uh, I do have one. I uh, one more recommendation. Uh, I'm not sure if listeners are familiar with the long running podcast. My dad wrote a porno, but they are finally hanging it up. And the finale is on is available for download now. And it's very, very funny. I've never heard of this podcast. What's it about? <gasps> uh, so a young man discovers that his father has been writing porn in his spare time. Like Love he's it. been writing erotica about a woman who works for a pots and pans company. Wait, in, wait, wait, wait. Um, yeah. So is this an entirely fictional, like, what is this? Like, is it's is it a script or is it like a short story? Is it like... He and his two friends from university read chapter, like read the books over the years. So there's like different books. And I haven't gotten to the one where they like interview Rocky, his dad. This is his, he calls his, his dad's pseudonym on the show is uh, Rocky Flintstone. <laughs> so I haven't yet just like, I haven't yet discovered if this has been an elaborate hoax, but even with being somewhat offline recently, I would know if they had revealed that he was not in fact a real person. Oh my God. That would have been such a massive disappointment. I know. uh, But it is very, very funny. And the, um, the writing is absolutely atrocious. The sex scenes are not sexy. There are many times uh, at one point he compares a woman's nipples to rivets on the Titanic. Sure. Absolutely. So it's that kind of level of writing. Mm -hmm. And I, it's so funny um, over the years, there have been many famous people who've gone on the show as like special episodes where they talk to them because they're huge fans. And um, to like, 
you know, people like Elijah Wood, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Samara Weaving, Michael Sheen, Emma Thompson is on. Heard of them? Have you? Yeah, perhaps. I bet you have. They're all very famous. Yeah. the uh, And I believe they actually interview Emma Thompson at her house and her yeah. daughter makes a, um, you know, makes an appearance and they talk about a book that Emma Thompson wrote for her daughter to explain what sex was. So she's like iconic for this. She always does her podcast appearances from her house. So like she was on, uh, I said, no gifts Mm -hmm. recently, which is a very funny podcast. Um, And she like did the whole, the whole premise of the show is that someone brings the host a gift and he gets mad at them because he specifically said, I said, no gifts. And that's like the premise of the show. And Emma Thompson did it. Like she sent a gift. Um, and I think her daughter was the one who turned her onto the podcast and like set up the booking and everything. But yeah, like I yeah. think her daughter actually is the one who's like kind of well, her, booking this stuff for her. Her daughter is the one who got her into the this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. you know, these are the, but it is like pretty wonderful. Like it's just a delight. There's something so pure about it. They're so funny. It's like, um, and and yeah, it's it is just the writing is just atrocious. So I I find myself laughing out loud in my car when listening to it. <laughs> Love it. I'm gonna check that out for sure. I have I just wrote White Lotus in all caps locks. Um obviously I don't wanna like talk about spoilers or anything because I feel like White Lotus is one of those shows that a lot of people sort of just, <laughs> you know didn't engage with and now that there's so much buzz for season two they've gone back to the beginning like Mm -hmm. Meredith that happened to you you were like why the fuck is everybody talking about this um and so I don't obviously I don't want to like do spoilers or anything I'll just say for the most part I was happy with the finale yeah we did spend a lot of time talking about it (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 um on the show did we no, 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 no. Oh, like, yeah. After I watched it. We, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It, but like that was all the spoiler stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll say that like I was satisfied with how most of the storylines were tied up. And now I'm a little nervous that I've heard about potentially what season three is going to be. Um... And all we've heard, and this is all rumors, but like I've now heard it in two different places. So like from different sources. So I'm a little nervous this is actually going to be true that the next season will be set in an Asian country somewhere mm. and deal with quote unquote spirituality. Well, the only thing I have to say about that is that Mike White did enlightened and that ruled. Sure. So maybe he will find a way to not be super white about I don't know. I uh, I think you can hear in my voice that I have questions. <laughs> I'm nervous because, okay, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I, I'm never comfortable with the idea of, and oftentimes this creator is very praised by the industry and like their network, I think because they don't have to pay an entire writing staff, but they're mm-hmm. like, this is all coming from the mind of one man. Isn't that incredible? And it's like, on the one hand, yes, because I think he is a fantastic writer who's very empathetic and does a great job developing different voices and different viewpoints. And it is amazing what he does. On the other hand, this is a great example of when he should have a writer's room, because if you're going to 
attempt to explore Asian culture, you should have Asian writers who are mm-hmm. like helping you and have firsthand experience. So you don't accidentally do something out of sheer ignorance, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's just my little like, same thing with like Tyler Perry. Everybody's like, isn't it amazing? One man is writing all of this. And it's like, this just sounds like HBO or whoever being like, thank God we don't have to pay a lot of writers. God, I do think that's probably true. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, again, Mike White is incredible and he can pull it off. But um, yeah, I, I... I get a little nervous when I hear about like, I'm not going to have a writer's room, but I'm going to attempt this. (laughs) I think I'll be very curious. And the fact that people from White Lotus were putting out fake rumors before the finale to like throw people off the trail about who was going to die makes me wonder, you know, I feel like we're, it'll be a while until we know, but yeah, Yeah. I've heard enough about it being in Thailand or in wherever that there's, We'll see. Can I say something that I guess is shady, but please know in my heart, I don't mean it as pure shade. Mm -hmm. So I really respect the fact that Mike White has carved out a career where he gets HBO to pay for him to travel all over the world and stay at luxury resorts because he's quote unquote researching. I think that is a phenomenal hustle and I genuinely tip my hat to him. And I think it's amazing I think it's interesting that he has also carved out a niche where he does not get a lot of shit for almost having an entirely white cast because he's quote unquote highlighting those people. And it's like, again, on the one hand, I'm like, that is true, but it is interesting that he has sort of created this world where he's like bulletproof when it comes to accusations of not embracing diversity because he's like well i'm not talking about those people i'm talking about wealthy white people and i'm making fun of them and it's like true however (laughs) it's still a bunch of white people and it's like again i think that goes back to the problem of not having a writer's room because i'm sure like there was a lot of criticism of natasha rothwell's character in season one because again this is a white man writing for a black woman Mm -hmm. and Again, I thought he did a fairly good job being empathetic and showing how Jennifer, you know, Coolidge, like, took advantage of her and her position of authority over her. I thought all of that was great. But it did sort of show the limitations of having a white man, right? Mm -hmm. And I also think he did not want to do that again. um, Because he's smart. But, yeah, I'm like, would it be the worst thing in the world to give him a little writer's room to, like, have his back and write different characters? Yeah, but honestly, like, wouldn't everyone benefit from a, from their own little writer's room? Like, I would. I know that. I I think so. I would love that. Like, guys, can you help me out? I really need some assistance with this narrative. We got to untangle it. <laughs> um. So that's all I wanted to say about White Lotus. Like, light shade, but not really shade. Uh. I one thing that I want to compliment Mike White on, and I think it's vague enough to do this. He is one of the only writers I've seen, and it's this is probably because he's a gay man, so this is, or I think a bisexual man, um, that, like, he felt like he could explore this. So this is a good example of, like, when you have a writer who's not <laughs> a straight cis white man, what you can get. But, like, exploring the misogyny of gay men towards women yeah, was yeah. fascinating. Because a lot of writers, I think, don't want to touch that 
but it is a thing. And there is this like kind of creepy cultural theme of gay men worshiping women who are suffering a lot um, and are like a mess. And they're like, you're iconic because you're such a disaster. And actually what they're doing is just celebrating the pain of a woman. <laughs> yeah. So that I thought that was fascinating. And I thought he did a great job exploring that. Yeah, I agree. And we talked about that a lot. And I felt like the uh, just having just having that there made a lot of the the silly drama richer. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I'm curious what people think. I know you and I have disagreed strenuously about this season and some of the characters. So um and I know you've accused me of projecting <laughs> because I don't have a lot of, you know, I don't have a lot of patience for the character of Portia, who's this young woman who's an assistant and who does a lot of stupid things. And like, I'm not saying that I haven't done stupid things in pursuit of sex, but I just. It was on, just man. the amount of anger. <laughs> yeah. I'm I was just, like, yeah. this feels personal. It feels personal. And then I, you brought it up. You were like, I think I'm projecting. And I'm like, I think you were projecting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was projecting a little bit, but also she did deserve to get taken. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Everybody, like, it's very easy. And come on, guys. Like, you can fuck someone and not go to a second location with them. Don't go to the second location. That's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. And I've applied it so many times in my life. If you're at a, out at a bar and it's midnight and people want to go to a second location, do not go to the second location. Yeah. Or if you're at a party and someone says, yes. time to go to a second location. Nope. If you are over 25, the answer is Oh. Hell no. Hell no. Because you know what's going to happen at the second location? Bad things. A hundred percent guaranteed. Yeah. Don't go to a second location. Yeah. Um, what else, What are other like nuggets of advice that you still hold dear to this day? Uh, God, what are some other ones? I'm trying to think. I know there are other like party related ones. Um. Don't talk to the girl who doesn't have her shoes on. Oh, yep. That's a smart one. Because she's also going to be crying. Let's just be real. And she's going to suck you into her gravitational pull. And you've got to get out of there. Yeah. I feel like there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of dudes like that. But the ones, not the ones that want to try and have sex with you, but the ones that have like something they're really angry about and they want to talk like. Oh, yeah. Or or any interaction that starts like this. Hey, can I pick your brain about something? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely goodbye. Correct. Goodbye. Bye bye. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is one. If um, if there are rules attached to attendance, as in like no plus ones, no uh, like you need to tell me if you're bringing somebody. Uh, absolutely. Do not go to that party. Oh, interesting. Why? Why do you feel that way? Uh, because I have. Uh, Based on experience, I find that there it it correlates strongly to um, a clickishness that is going to be means you're going to end up hanging out with some pretty insufferable people. Okay, interesting. I've never actually gotten an invite that has said that. Usually, people are like, "Bring anyone as long as they're cool." So I I would be suspicious if I saw that. I was just wondering if you had something, but that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, it, it, the, the chances are that someone has been curating their guest list in a way that means you're going to have to talk to somebody terrible. Sure. And Meredith um, is coming from the NYC journalism community. So <laughs> when we say terrible, we don't mean like normal terrible. We mean like the worst of the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, right. And uh, the other here's one that I think we can both agree with because of our experiences at the nation party when the booze runs out leave yes and also if the interns are getting absolutely destroyed i would leave early ish as well yeah because i stayed a little too late the last nation party and saw one of the interns get so drunk that he like crashed into a christmas display and obliterated it and i was like should have left an hour ago Oh, yeah. Yeah. Should have uh, done that. Not even the worst thing I've seen at one no. of those parties. Hey, that's... No, that's the only one I feel comfortable saying on the record. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Things get crazy. Uh, yeah, I basically don't go to parties anymore. So, uh... oh, right. I mean, what is another adage? Never be nice to a man. Oh, like, right. Of course. I'm so sorry, everyone. Number one in bold face font, never be nice to a man. Yeah, because I think that's just he's either going to take advantage of your niceness or, you know, he he doesn't deserve it or he'll feel like you're coming on to him because you're treating him like a human being. He's like, well, she wants to fuck me. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, my God. I'll never forget this. So. I one of the first media appearances I did um, was on the Laura Flanders show, and I was on a panel with someone whose name I won't repeat. But I literally like asked him, I was like, "How you doing?" Like I was just making like light banter, and he immediately mentioned his girlfriend because uh-huh. he assumed I was hitting on him. I think, and I was like, "Sir, first of all, you flatter yourself." <laughs> Like, I'm not hitting on you. And secondly, I wouldn't be hitting on you right before we go on air. Like, I'm not a psycho like that. But just the presumptuousness of, well, she's being nice to me, so she must want to fuck me. I was like, oh, God. Yikes. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that tracks. Uh, cool. Well, now you've gotten your life lessons. You've got all of your advice. And Meredith. Yeah. You can go to any party now and be, uh, you know, confident that you'll have a good time. So. Did you have any more recommendations? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. So, guys, I saw Violent Night and I had the best time. The best time, hands down. It is so stupid and so fun. And I knew I had to go see it because Charles, who never does this, um, texted me and was like, I loved Violent Night so much. I want to go see it again. I'll go with you if you want to see it. And I was like, holy shit. Not only does he want to see it again, he's like working his schedule around so we can go together. Never does that. So I was like, this is going to be a good time. So we go, we see it. It's like instantly one of my favorite Christmas movies. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, it's like Die Hard meets a Christmas movie. Like it is like so basic and so bad, but like in a good way. And David Harbour is like in his bag. Like this man was born to play a Santa who used to be a Viking warrior and is now like a hot mess. 
that is the character arc for the Santa in this movie. And there's some amazing cameos that I won't spoil. Um, I don't even think it's like a cameo. They're like the cast, but I was surprised. And yeah, like if you're looking for a Home Alone style Christmas movie that's just like big and dumb and so fun, check out Violent Night. I have heard a lot of good things. I haven't gotten to it yet. I'll probably wait until streaming just because I have been kind of busy and haven't gotten to the theaters. But I do love stupid movies that I are know. really fun. So how, you know, how I'm, I'm going to be powerless against a stupid movie that is violent Santa. And I would have loved to have seen it. Charles saw it before me, but I'm like, oh, this would have been so fun to see in like a packed theater. And like, dude, I feel like it is harder and harder these days, unless it's a fucking Marvel film, to get to the theater in time to see a lot of these films. Like like a film like Violent Night, when we were growing up, would have been in the theater for like a month. Yeah. And then it would have gone to like the second run movie theater for the, you know, played everything. The dollar theater in the mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like when people are like, why don't we have movie stars anymore? I'm like, because movies used to sit in fucking theaters for six months. You would see two movies a year and like they would have Julia Roberts and and Brad Pitt and George Clooney and them. And like, that's the face you looked at for six months. I was going to say if you and then if you missed it in the first six months that the movie was playing, then you'd be able to go see it at one of the movies. Yeah. That, you know, one of the movie theaters that that had the second run thing. You know, I was thinking about that, too, when there was a um, it's a while on social media, somebody posted a photo of a protest outside a theater, I think, in Minneapolis. Um, Harold and Maude had been playing there for months uh-huh. and they were so mad that oh they were, it was still playing that they like <laughs> protested against it. That's so funny. <laughs> they were like, play another movie. Oh my God, would never happen now, would never happen. I feel like now it's like, yeah, like Violent Night, I feel like I had a week to go see it with a big audience. I missed that mm-hmm. week. I went the next week, mm, pretty empty theater. And it was still nice to see it with other people because, you know, you get those pops of laughter um, that just enhance the comedy. But I was just like, man, this sucks because this is like one of those films that I feel like people would love if they had just given it a better shot in the theater. Yeah. Well, and I, I it's it's part of the whole broken business model that yeah. everybody's talking about where Netflix puts glass onion in theaters for five days so and then dumb. takes it out. And, it, and then I'm like, you guys literally left a hundred million dollars on the table by doing this. Yeah. And nobody is going to subscribe to your chat, like your platform just to see this movie. This is ridiculous. I know. Um, what are you doing? Uh, but it also means that like, a lot of movies end up getting like de facto dumped and they just like appear and then disappear. And then I'm not even sure what ends up playing anymore. Well, speaking of that, I was going to say, I, sometimes I like when you see films after I see them. Cause I love when you text me and you're like processing shit in real time (laughs) is very funny. Um, but speaking of movies that were dumped so fast, bones and all you got to see. And yeah, 
Um, I'll let you speak to it in a second. But I was frustrated by that because it wasn't like they didn't put advertising behind Bones and all. Because at least maybe this is the algorithm. But I saw a ton of ads for Bones and all, like a lot of advertisement. Again, maybe that's because my algorithm was like, you'll like this. And I'm like, you're right, I will. But this was like a really edgy, interesting film that would have had more of a cult following. But Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, they pulled that out of the theaters and put it on video on demand. And part of that reason was they put it in a lot of theaters. And like, again, this is a niche horror film that came out on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So a lot of people weren't going to be interested in it because it's about cannibalism, baby. Um, But I was still like, damn, like they don't give little films a chance anymore and then people complain about like why is everything marvel and it's like well because you don't fucking support smaller films there's no opportunity for people movies can't build an audience and it's it's one of the reasons why i think people have spent so much time this year talking about what you know how 2022 was such a good year for horror films yes and it's because a lot of them hit and stuck yeah. But there were also a lot that built. So the fact that, uh, you know, which, and we'll talk about this later, but the fact that Barbarian had that hit and made money stuck around. And then as soon as it dropped on HBO Max, it got that second boost of people talking about it. Like that, you know, these, these movies not dropping, there's just hasn't, you haven't seen that movies that are prestige or have that, you know, or niche don't get that if they're not full on genre. A hundred percent. Okay, guys, on that note, let's get yeah, to our- As we've talked for like 40 minutes already. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. I forgot we were doing our top films of 2022. Oh so guys, maybe the episode's going to go a little longer. We'll see. Again, like, you know, this is a, a ranking, a list. So perhaps we won't um, speak about the films that much because we've talked about them throughout the year. But yeah. my list is not ranked. Is yours ranked? Mine is not ranked either. Okay, beautiful. Okay, so boom, right off the bat, I'll go first. Everything, everywhere, all at once, motherfuckers. One of the best films of the year, if not the best film of the year. Um, this film blew my fucking head off and I still think about it weekly. It's on my list too. I still think it's beautiful. I think about how moved I was the first time I saw it. I cried. It's just beautifully done. It's exciting. It's weird. It's new. It's silly. And it has created opportunities for people who don't see them, you know, for people who don't see themselves on screen to have a really experience and I think that's fantastic. It's exactly what can happen if you support burgeoning filmmakers who one of them is white one of them is not a white guy <laughs> he's Asian but like having a diverse cast it is the best of what can happen of diversity and supporting smaller filmmakers. Yeah and uh, and not interfering and yes. noting to death. Yes. Um, yeah. Because you can tell that their vision really made it to screen and they'll talk about it. It wasn't, it was still a challenge. I think they filmed in less than 40 days. They were in this abandoned office building. Like they didn't have a lot of time to go through, you know, things a million times, but it's great. And the performances are great. I mean, it, it uh, just, so I still think about Kike Kwan's, uh, like, or Kihei Kwan, sorry, uh, 
speeches and the looks that he has, you know, that he gives. Oh, just- the monologue of you think my kindness is my weakness. It's my strength. Like destroyed me. Destroyed yeah. me. And if there's anything that, uh, that the world needs right now, it's just recognizing that sometimes we have to force ourselves into optimism. Yeah, no, that's a really <laughs> Even good if point. Things are going to fucking suck. Exactly. And like, that the brave thing to do is to be open and kind and optimistic and it doesn't make you weak. It makes you really strong actually. Cause like the world is always trying to beat you down. Um, I thought that was absolutely magnificent and yeah, top to bottom. The cast is amazing. I want Michelle to win best actress. It's probably going to go to Kate Blanchett, but I would, I'm going to lose my fucking mind if Michelle wins. Yeah, but you also know that she is going to show up at the at every award show in jewelry that Ugh. belongs to her because she has an incredible collection and she's just going to look like she's going to slay. Uh, she is. But I think specifically gorgeous. about the fact that she owns like an in- insane like jewelry collection, like the ring in Crazy Rich Asian belongs to her. Who like- is her? <laughs> her husband like owns Ferrari or something? Something insane like that. It's, I mean, yeah, the, it might not know. be Ferrari, but it's one of the like luxury. <laughs> when I learned that, yeah. I was like, oh, that's why Mama like shows up dressed to the nines all of the time. Yeah, that um, is that is a woman with impeccable taste who is able to afford every last thing that she wants. And listen, if as if we're going to have rich people, I I'm fine with Michelle being one of our rich people because yeah. uh, she is a boss. Yeah. So, Let's do one and one. So you go now. All right. Well, we both had that one on there. Yeah. I'm going to throw out one that maybe uh, isn't, uh, probably isn't on your list because maybe you haven't seen it. Great. Um, the documentary Fire of Love. Ooh, I haven't seen it. Uh, it's a documentary. So it's the, it's similar to the documentary, or it's the same subject as Werner Herzog did one about volcanoes, but it's a documentary that uses all this primary footage and stuff of this couple that were volcanologists and who died in a volcanic eruption. Like the lava. Damn. Got them. Holy shit. Uh, but it's like their passion. They did all of this incredibly up close, like research. They were really, their passion for volcanoes was overwhelming. And like, you just get this really intimate look at their relationship and I thought it was just fucking beautiful. Um, also, because volcanoes terrify me and lava terrifies me, as you can imagine. Yeah. It was a really fun way to like get up close looks at things that I hope to never be anywhere near. You know it's weird? I know I should be scared of volcanoes in theory, but like I just can't get scared by the concept. <laughs> Maybe because I know I'll never probably, you know, famous last words. Now I'm going to die inside a fucking volcano. But chances are in New York City, I'm not going to encounter a volcano. So it's just not at the top of my list of worries or phobias. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. I mean, I'm still afraid of um, being lost at sea in the middle of the ocean much, much so, more than yes. I am of falling into a volcano. I'm terrified of the ocean. I'm really really (laughs) scared of the ocean and like of how deep the ocean is. Yeah, Um, don't think about that. I don't want to think about that. It it freaks me out. It freaks me out. The fact that we're still discovering new species because it's so big. I like just absolutely. Let's move on because I'm upset. Um, Yeah. So we've already traumatized ourselves. Yeah. The rest of my list are films that we've both seen. So they 
won't be a huge surprise, but it's okay. still like it's nice to do these kind of recaps because you forget how much happens throughout the year. Um, and I maybe towards the end of my list, I might have a couple choices that will surprise you or remind you uh, in a delightful yep. way. So obviously, Barbarian. Yep. Um, one of the best horror films I've ever seen. The way I talk about Barbarian <laughs> is it's structurally wrong. Like if if I got that script, I would be like, this is you don't do this. You can't like switch your perspective like that in mid film. But mm-hmm. because they broke the model, it works. And like it's so stunning and like such a refreshing thing to see something that you've never seen before. Because yeah. so much of film is just like either an homage, which is nice, um, or a straight ripoff, uh, Joker. So it, it it's kind of like it is a rare thing to be genuinely surprised. And I, I should we still not do spoilers? I uh, it's been around for a long time. That's how I, I feel. Think we have. I, I think it's it's okay. We've had two waves of people not talking about it, and yeah. there's an entire like internet meme of people recording their friends' reactions Great. to Barbarian. So the so, way like, yeah. Barbarian was marketed was. I was under the impression we had our two leads and then Bill Skarsgård is brutally killed. (laughs) (laughs) And then we switch perspectives and suddenly Justin Long is in the film and we're following a completely different character. We have no idea how he's related to the rest of the film. And usually in a screenplay, that's when you would get flagged. You would be like, we need to know immediately how he's related to to the A plot because I feel you know, cast out to sea because I don't know what's going on. And like, Bar- why did we suddenly do this? Why? Yeah. Why is this happening? And Barbarian lets it just hang out there for a while and then reveals in the most fascinating way how he is related to a plot. And it's so captivating. And then they do it fucking again. They do it again when we switch perspectives and we follow the Barbarian. Who is the Barbarian? I mean, you could make the argument it is Justin Long, but like, who's the monster, Right. And they do it fucking again. And they do a time jump. They do a time jump. And it's like, none of this should work. And it does. No, it's it was just so refreshing and funny and exciting to, like, recommend to people knowing that it was going to be, it was going to blow their minds. I mean, recognize that just seeing that this, and that it was funny and not yes. and like genuinely funny and not like shoehorned meta and smart references funny smart too yeah, yeah. and uh it, it was just and the performances are great there's you know just enough going on you know there's just enough tether to reality at the beginning in how the lead actress Georgina Chapman Campbell yeah Georgina mm-hmm. Campbell Georgina Chapman was married to Harvey Weinstein Sorry. Yikes. Uh, yikes. God, I hope I got that right. Um, I think you did. Yeah. Uh, behaves in a way that's relatable. And mm-hmm. so that when things go nuts, you're still like, okay, you know, you're, you're on board. Yeah. And we like her enough that when she like keeps going deeper into the basement, we're not like you stupid bitch. Well, you are a little bit, but you're like still on her side. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, I just can't believe that we got to have this. Like again, it's another example of of a movie that I'm shocked Hollywood was smart enough to say yes to. Yeah. Um, here's a question: Is yes. Justin Long 
a honorary scream queen. Yes. Yes, I think he is. Welcome to the club, Justin. Well earned, sir. You know, like he, he may annoy the crap out of me, but he has turned out to be a good sport in a way that really impresses me. And yeah. so good for you. You have become a 40 something white male. Scream uh, queen. <laughs> scream queen. Yeah, exactly. Great. Love it. Uh, you go. Next up. R, R, R. Damn it. That was one of the ones I was hoping you would have forgotten about. Cause it's been like a minute. <laughs> Since. You forget that I was, I have been careful. I've been like obsessively lobbying the person who runs I know. the university film program here to try and find a way to get the theatrical uh, Telugu version to screen. Yeah. So. And you told me to go see it. And I was like, oh, really? And you were like, you have to go see it with a full theater. And I was like, oh, Meredith, I guess. And it was one of the best experiences yeah. at the movies I've ever had. Speaking of of going to like making sure you you experience something with a crowd, I it's just one of my proudest achievements of this year, honestly. Um, that I got that I convinced you to go after you had been at a baseball game, and you were like, "It's three hours long," and I was just like, "You just listen to me. It's going to be okay." This is also a window into like. <laughs> who I am as a person now where I'm like I went to a baseball game I don't have the energy to go sit in a dark theater and you were like (laughs) just go stop it um yeah I also have to say I thought it was really cool the community that's like really passionate about RRR are like the nicest people and when I tweeted about RRR it went viral because they were all retweeting it and they were also sending like nice suggestions where they were like, if you like that film, you should watch the, and I don't, I don't know. They were just very sweet and excited and it enhanced the overall experience. Yeah. Yeah, Like there, I've noticed this too, that there's this recognition that this, you don't have to be like, Oh, this isn't even the best movie from like out of Tollywood. What's wrong with you? You Philistine. Like instead people are treating it as an exciting opportunity to recommend other films and say, Hey, you know, of course you didn't have a reason to check this stuff out. There's lots of other, oper- there's lots of other stuff out there that you'd really enjoy. Here are some suggestions like taking it, like it being a positive and encouraging experience and knowing that there's going to be more and that the director is working with his dad to write the story. Like mm-hmm. there's just so much fun. And I'm really looking forward to like, if the song that was nominated for the Golden Globes doesn't end up getting an Oscar nomination, so we I can watch a <laughs> fucking Tollywood musical number uh, at the Oscars, I'm gonna riot. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I, I I'll just admit again my own ignorance. I did not know Tollywood was a thing, so I was just like, this is Bollywood, right? And that's when I learned, like, no, there's actually like a different thing that you've never seen before. And again, going back to that, like being genuinely surprised by seeing something new every moment of RRR is the craziest thing I've ever seen Mm -hmm. and like it lasts the entirety of the film every moment I'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god like it doesn't stop it's relentless in the best way if you can see it with an audience do that but even if you can't you you just have to see it if you have Netflix and you're going to be spending time with family and you don't know what to talk about, <laughs> consider putting it on. Yeah, really. I guarantee you'll have, you'll all be plenty occupied. Yes, <laughs> that is 100% accurate. Uh, the next film on my list is Pearl, baby. 
Hell yeah. And listen, I loved X a lot too, but the reason I'm putting Pearl on the list and not X is 100% Mia Goth. She is one of our, our newest and best scream queens. She acts the shit out of this role. And yeah, she's just captivating the entire film. Completely agree. I am uh, the uh, I, I also had it on my list because I remember just being so blown away by her monologue. I mean, the fact that this again in 2022, great year for horror movies, that there was debate over like, OK, which movie like which movie had the better super intense single shot monologue scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you were going between Mia Goth and Rebecca Hall. Like what a gift. I still, and she's I just think, incredible. I do think Rebecca Hall still takes that because. Yeah. I mean, she's actually in my, I have on my notes app that best monologue Rebecca Hall. Direction. <laughs> so like she Thanks. does still win for me, but I just, I loved the way that it looked. I loved all of the homage to old cinema. I loved how hot the dude was. Dude. Oh, it was just sumptuous. Like really showed that, you know, you can, I mean, the the painted sets, like all of it just had such attention to detail that felt beautiful and, and exciting. And, um, and people can get super mad at Ty West for having a basic bitch uh, sight and sound uh, top 10 list. But I don't care <laughs> because if he's if he's taking if he can make a movie like this, he's still paying attention to all kinds of other stuff. He doesn't need to be watching for, you know, Sean uh, Dealman, 23 Quab Brussels, et cetera. Did I like, tell you I watched it? That? Uh, that? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, you didn't. I loved it. I like it's I, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> I was so mad because I was like, all right, you pretentious pieces of shit. Let me look at this thing. And I was like, <laughs> this is captivating. It's amazing. We absolutely never see this perspective of a housewife uh, and a sex worker. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with every moment of this. I didn't want it to end. However, let me say this. Just because something's popular doesn't make it bad. And like a lot of this fucking like sight and sound list bullshit and dragging directors because they are basic bitches with their top 10. I'm like, these are people who understand popular tastes and they'll probably make a lot of money. It doesn't make them not artists. (laughs) Yeah. And I uh, that's totally true. Uh, All right. Next. I have. Lost my list. Like, okay, next one uh, that I put on my list. Oh, I'm going to make you mad, but I'm doing it anyway. Motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. Top Gun Maverick. Damn it. You, you know, talking about popular, I know that I'm with so many critics, but I'm sorry that we didn't have a giant fucking stupid movie that. No, there Marvel movies sucked this year. Yep. A lot of other movies sucked this year, and I just thought the planes went fast <laughs> and it looked cool, and they didn't give us a weird sex scene. And Jennifer Connelly is great, and it was just so fun. So here's it was the thing: so fun. I like everyone agrees with you. Like it, it's like the, one of the most universally praised films of the year. I'm sure it's great. Will I see it one day? I don't know. Maybe. You know, 100% of my beef is with Tom Cruise. Absolutely. And I I recognize all of this. It's fine. I just, I ha- it made me, it was just so fun. I enjoyed every second of it. Like, it was 
of course it made a trillion dollars and like yeah what has been re-released in theaters like up until christmas specifically because they're like you know what families are going to need something to do over this holiday season why don't we encourage them to go see top gun like, oh, okay. So yeah. I'll say one nice thing about Tom Cruise because I always call him a weird little cult leader, which he is. Um, yeah. I'll give him his props. He's one of the only actors who, after all of the the scandal broke about the Golden Globes, returned his Golden Globes. <laughs> and now there's some speculation that perhaps Top Gun Maverick was not acknowledged by the Golden Globes because they're real mad at him. Um, that would that would track. I mean, the gold, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is also a weird little cult. A hundred percent. Yeah. Speaking of cults, um, but like for example, Steven Spielberg hasn't said shit this year about like not attending. So I do want to give props to Tom Cruise, who like publicly said, "I'm giving back my awards because y'all suck." Yeah. You know, he said um, it more eloquently than that, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, yes, it's military propaganda. Yes, it steals the original Star Wars final battle. It's a total video game. But does it get your adrenaline pumping and does it look awesome? Yes. Yeah. It is money. It was money well spent. And fuck it. It was fun. Sorry to go on a little tangent, but we're going to go over anyway. But yeah, uh, I'm very curious. Brendan Fraser was nominated by the Golden Globes. I'm very curious to see if he goes. He's already not going. He's not. Great. Yeah. Uh, If he wins, what's going to happen? Very curious to see if that, uh, because I could see the Golden Globes sort of being like, uh, we should vote for him. So the optics don't look bad. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should just, Yeah. Sorry, guys, you already ignored the fact that the head of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association sexually assaulted him. So things are going to be bad for you no matter what. They (laughs) suck. Uh, Next on my list is Nope. Also on mine. Excellent. This is going to be like in its own way, kind of a boring top 10 because we agree on many. (laughs) But yes. Well, we didn't agree on Top Gun Maverick. So that's fair. Yeah. yeah, We've talked at length about Nope on this show. I'm really glad to see some critics have sort of had a come to Jesus moment with it where they were cool on it initially. And upon second and third viewing, they're like, no, this is actually very, very good. We were ahead of the curve and said it was brilliant right off the bat. Yeah. And I still remain convinced that it was genius. It's so it's a great movie about filmmaking, especially now that we're into awards season, like the magic of cinema, like love letter to the movies time uh, with all of the films that are those things. I still think it was the most effective. It's going to go be the most effective version of that because it's about the, the actual construction of it. It's not mythologizing in any way. Uh, and it's just weird and dark. And I still think that the um, Gordy's house or Gordy's home Lord. Uh, section of the movie is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Interestingly, the the structure of that is sort of similar to Barbarian in that, like, we start following an entirely new storyline, it feels like, and we're we feel really unmoored. And then it's so frightening on top of that. And then, mm-hmm. uh, of course, we learn why we're seeing what we're seeing. But I I feel like personally, I had a similar emotional reaction seeing 
nope and barbarian in that sense. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, my next choice uh, is uh, actually Mad God. Shit. Okay, I'm glad you put this on the list because it's not in my top 10 and I also forgot to put it in my special moments. But yeah, go off. It's fucking incredible. I mean, it's just... It is, uh, you know, it's the result of a 30-year, almost chaotic quest to, like, get this weird fucking vision on the screen. And uh, it's dark and strange. And, uh, you know, my the reason why it made my list is that it's just as I get older, the I find myself more excited by movies I know would have absolutely blown my mind and messed me up when I was a teenager. Like the kind that when I was like smoking clothes cigarettes and listening <laughs> to, to Bauhaus um, would have been really exciting. And this just absolutely is. I mean, this horrifying dystopia, it's visually like fucking beautiful. Um, All stop motion for, oh, for the most part, stop motion. Yeah, almost entirely stop motion. I mean, that, you know, and and it's made by someone who's worked on some of the most like famous movies of all time. And he spent all of these years pulling this together and actually finding a way to, to do this animated film. Was it Jurassic um, Park? Yep. He was yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah, Amazing. You know, so this is, it's an opportunity. It's like somebody's, it's a passion project of the intricacy of like, what Peter Jackson did when he built Weta Studios to make Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's not backed by a massive studio effort. <laughs> it really like, is like one of those things where it's like, if he wasn't already an accomplished, you know, um, special effects creator, it's one of those obsessive endeavors that people would be like, should we stage an intervention? Yes. I mean, it... it with the stop motion, there's an element almost of like the Parks and Rec bit when Adam Scott's like, could a depressed person make this? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like, are you okay? But it's so good. Yeah. Uh, and I I don't even think it's worth talking about what the movie's about or what happens. It's just something could you that even, like... Could you even like coherently recap? Like, I couldn't. No, absolutely yeah. not. It's it's just like if you want if you love things that are strange and that feel completely unlike anything you've ever experienced and you like stuff that tends towards the dark, just seek it out as soon as possible because it's going to be your shit. Speaking of loving strange things, um next on my list is Bones and All, which Meredith finally got to see. I just love that Luca Guadagnino is a, like a little fucking weirdo and does not care what's popular in the moment, doesn't care if he alienates his audience. He just follows what he thinks is interesting and beautiful. And oftentimes that means making the brave choice. And this is a fucking weird niche film that is a vibe and you will either love it or you will hate it. And that makes me love it even more because it, really divides an audience every time I've seen this film because I've seen it multiple times in the theater people walk out mm -hmm. every single well, time I I really loved it it didn't make my top 10 um which I decided I was going to wait to say until today mm -hmm. but I did love it and I thought it was just beautiful I thought it was beautiful I thought it was sad I thought it was sweet I thought the like the goal all of the golden hour 
gorgeous. Beautiful, yeah. like Midwestern scenes. You know, I felt it kind of, it was like, okay, so they're cannibals, but also you could play that Simon and Garfunkel song America over it yeah. and it would still work. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, I know, like, you know, Luke has gone out of his way to be like, it's a fable. The cannibalism is a metaphor, like all that stuff, because I think he just wanted people to realize like, it's not really about cannibalism. This film, like there are some intense scenes, but it's really a Badlands love story about these two lost souls who find each other and they're perfect soulmates. Um, so it is, as you said, very sweet in that sense. And like that, all the actors do an amazing job. Um, I'm really glad Taylor Russell got to shine because I feel like she's a superstar and I hope she gets cast in a lot more things. Um, and yeah, she really carries it. Yeah, she's fantastic. And there are some really frightening scenes yes. that are not related to, that are just conversations. Yes. And I felt like that was a really beautiful, I kind of keep saying beautiful, like it was just a really effective use of Luca's talents. Like the fact that he created these scenes that had such a heavy vibe and then also amped up this tension and anxiety, like I was really upset in a few scenes and it had yes. nothing to do with eating people. And like, the, it, there was not eating people going on when I was most upset in the film. It's usually because of a little actor named Mark Rylance who oh, yeah. is doing the most, but he is very, very effective and frightening. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, yeah, he's fantastic. Michael Stuhlbarg is also fantastic. Incredible. Like, yeah. Just, just, Pull out those, pull those guys in if you need somebody to do the most and really just like scare the crap out of you. Yeah, and then bring Timothy Chalamet in in the the last quarter to make you cry. And it's like, yeah, like we're there, we're there. All of the emotional notes are being hit. It has a fucking phenomenal soundtrack that I've been listening to obsessively. Um, it's really good to write to. Little oh, that makes sense. Little advice there. Um, you're up. I am up. Uh, um. I'm. I put Banshees of Inisherin on there, which I Hell also yeah, just saw. baby. Mine's uh, that is on mine as well. Yeah, because I like to think about death, and I like to think about how men will literally cut off their own fingers rather than go to therapy. And <laughs> just because the political metaphor didn't work, uh, doesn't mean that I just wasn't still laughing. My fucking ass off every I just didn't think about it I just it was one of those like layers to a, a play script that you just don't need in a film where I'm like I don't need the heavy-handedness of the political metaphor this is interesting enough these fucking weirdos and their friendship is weird enough I don't need the other shit um but yeah I mean incredible performances I wouldn't be mad if Colin Farrell won this year Colin Farrell has had a fantastic year. I love this for him. Uh, and I would also highly recommend there's a interview between Jamie Lee Curtis and Colin Farrell Lord. on the Washington Post Variety actors talking to actors. Um, Made me cry. <laughs> so moving. Yeah. And it's just really striking because they spend a lot of time talking about sobriety and their perspective on sobriety and how it changes the way they work and what they feel like they want out of life. And it's just amazing to watch him be so joyful. Uh, yeah. There's, he's just like putting out positive, like radiating positivity into the universe. And so the fact that he's been in three, honestly, different movies 
this year Crushed that it. he was fantastic in. After Yang, 13 Lives, and Banshees of Inisherin. Amazing. Just, he can't, he's not, he, had, he didn't miss a single second. I'm and also just, just really, really great. I'm really enjoying watching people collectively remember that we love Colin Farrell. And like, yeah. if you think about it, and maybe <laughs> maybe I'm like, maybe I'm spacing on some scandals that I don't remember. His big scandal that I remember is his sex tape. I mean, he really loved going down on a hot chick. Yeah. And he fucked Britney Spears. Yeah. Like that, those were quote unquote cancelable offenses back in the day because he was like, kind of a randy guy and he wore that stupid hat which i do ding him a bunch of, like he wore that hat everywhere do you know the one i'm talking about uh yeah, yeah yeah i do remember that hat uh i mean he did he was a lot of stupid i think he dated some writer and he was maybe no but he was just weird to her i don't think he was bad to her well whatever I think he was just kind of a i think he was just an idiot <laughs> young actor that I would believe was like on drugs and like drugs and alcohol and he cleaned up his act and he loves his kids and he generally just like clearly is working his butt off on cool projects and I'm like listen in Hollywood that is like a saint (laughs) yeah like and again maybe I'm forgetting some shit uh but I love this for him I love that he has this comeback and as you said like he's sober now and just a fucking amazing artist who chooses interesting projects. And I mean, based on the Jamie Lee Curtis interview is like kind and genuinely curious in other people. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't be mad if this man won an Oscar this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's going to be between him and Brendan Fraser, that's not a thing that bothers me. No, I'm, I'm seeing the whale this week guys, but yeah, what I've heard is it's not, good that he's amazing but like the film overall so I'm like Banshees of Inisherin is a legitimately good film and then Colin Farrell is incredible in it so yeah I I had a a friend of mine tell me uh, his opinion of of Banshees and he's a filmmaker he said there were a lot of things I really liked about it but I just can't with McDonough anymore I know a lot of people feel that way a lot of people are feeling that way yeah I felt like I was ready to be done with him after three billboards sure now bringing it back to Brendan and Colin as the as character, like acting as characters in a story that was much smaller um, worked for me a lot more. I mean this in the nicest way possible in the most non xenophobic way. <laughs> Stick to Ireland, my guy, you know, like you clearly get the culture, you get the people, um, you have interesting things to say. Please don't try to explore American culture. You don't get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what's your, I think we're at the last one. So I have, yeah. yeah, I have three more. Um, and I guess I'll just like, oh God, hmm. If I had to choose between these. All right, I'll be basic. Why don't you just say fuck it and go like, just do them all. Okay. We're already um, over. Okay. <laughs> Rapid fire, rapid fire, and then we can say rapid like, fire. whatever yeah. we want about any of these. Decision to leave. Oh, so that was my last one. Yeah. Uh, Tar. Mm-hmm. And Jack- I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So. And Jackass Forever. Jackass Forever got a special mention from me mm-hmm. in a category I made up called most cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> That's really. I love that you came up with categories. I just have special moments. Um, I just did it as I was. You know, I I just. As I was putting them on my extra list, I was just like, oh, fuck it. This is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to rapid fire do your special categories? 
Uh, yeah, well, has it unfairly forgotten? I put down 13 lives because I thought it was just like a really, really effective, well done. Um, uh, it, it's crazy to me that it didn't go into theaters because it's such a dad movie and it's so excellently done and the cast is fantastic. I got a, I put that on my list. I haven't seen it yet. I might just do like a Colin Farrell night where I watch that and after Yang because I haven't seen either of those. Uh, yeah, they're both very, very good. Great. Um, and I mean, 13 Lies is great. I mean, it's Colin, it's Vigo. Oh, uh, it's the cast is so stacked. And also it's a story that's really, that ends up making you feel really good because everybody lives. Um, right. and now we can say fuck you to Elon also because these are all people that did stuff and they didn't need his stupid underwater robot. <laughs> right, right. Um, my other, yeah, most cathartic was Jackass Forever. Best excuse to think about Nick Cave, uh, was <laughs> this much I know to be true. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a concert film where he talks. Uh, and then three movies that I haven't been able to see yet because I don't think they've been released in Madison or anywhere near Madison. Uh, but I'm determined to see them because I hear they're great. Uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, right. which is on everybody's list. Um, but because I hate, we all, hate the Sacklers and as someone who's been to how many like lost count of how many Narcan trainings I've been to. Yeah. Uh, like I just really want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the eternal daughter because Joanna Hogg and Tilda. Right. And Corsage starring Vicky creeps, which is a, uh, it's about an Austrian queen uh, it, it came out at Cannes and she won best performance Ooh. for it. So I'm really curious about it. Uh, I also made a short list of my preliminary most anticipated for 2023. Ooh, please, please. Uh, Infinity Pool. Of course. Brendan Cronenberg, Alexander Skarsgård, and uh, Mia Goth. Looks crazy. That trailer's no nuts. idea. No idea what it's gonna like what it's gonna be, but wow, am I excited. Me too. Uh Dune Part Two, obviously. Baby, let's go. Uh John Wick four. Oh my god, yeah. Did I tell you I caught up? You did, because you were watching it yeah. and texting me about it. Uh this these are all fucking blockbusters. Uh Fast X, obviously, because <laughs> I have to see all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just completism. Cocaine Bear. Oh, yeah. Barbie. Yep. Um, and even though I know it's going to be terrible, Shotgun Wedding. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm a little nervous that's not going to be, like, fun bad. But the- I know. I've been hearing those rumors, too, but I yeah. don't care. The trailer's just so insane. I'm like, yes, I have to see this, obviously. Yeah. Um, do you have any, like, what are your other rapid fires? So rapid me? fire, I just, again, have special moments. Uh, Prey. Remember Prey, everybody? Oh, Prey was so good. It was great. Um, speaking of great horror films, I know it's a little controversial to call that a horror film, but uh, I put it under a horror film. Horror suspense. Um, the Batman. Anybody? The Batman. Oh, right. That. Oh, also Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. And uh, I thought... Robert and Zoe had crazy good chemistry. And listen, I know there's a shakeup with DC right now that's putting it <laughs> uh, minimally. It's it's kind of seismic what's happening right now. But I hope we get to see more of them together because I thought they were just electric on screen. I heard that's the only thing they're not touching. I've heard that too. I've heard that too. So hopefully um, 
And also Barry, Barry Keown uh, is supposed to be the Joker if they keep him. I would be curious to see his take on it. Um, yeah. So uh, The Innocents. Oh, God. Yeah. I, had, I was thinking about a category of fucked up Scandinavian movies that I love but can't watch again um, because I was thinking about Speak No Evil, but The Innocents is also there. I should say a lot of these are films you recommended to me and just forgot to put on your list. So I'm glad to refresh your memory Uh, in that lane. uh, Salome. Yes. Was great. Uh, I already mentioned this before X and this is a little bit of recency bias, but I, it is a really good film and she impressed me a lot in it. Uh, Emily, the criminal um, with Audrey Plaza, who I've dinged a lot for being the same character in every film. I feel like in Emily the Criminal, she is doing a different character and showing a, a lot of emotion in a way that she usually doesn't. And the story is fucking fascinating. Um, well, I want to do a quick shout out to Slashback then as well, which yes. is recency bias. But also I would put it in the category of uh, like a movie by people I'm really excited to see do something like do more. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um you know, teenage girls fighting off an alien invasion in a small uh, First Nations town right south of the Arctic Circle. Like, what's not to love? So cool. What's not to love? Yeah. Oh, also, the soundtrack is awesome. It is. It is. Like, that was one of the big things where I was like, you had told me about it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I guess special mention to, uh, to soundtracks to movies that crushed it this year because bones and all yeah. flashback i uh, also um dark glasses the argento score dude Amazing. i listen to that every day and i'm like why does this go so hard it didn't have to go this hard <laughs> <laughs> it didn't and i'm like it's like phenomenal i love that soundtrack uh yeah i mean that's it is sort of what you get when you go with argento because he's not gonna he's a maximalist yeah that's true yes, yeah. it's true um Oh God, I yeah, the innocence and and was was on there. What else is on your list? That's it, baby. We're done. Yeah, amazing. I just it was a great year. We watched a lot of movies. There's still a lot that we could have talked about, but we've got to keep it kind of not going on forever. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's listen, been. We're going to do an Oscars episode too, so we can't say everything we're thinking right now. But exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's been a fun one. There's a lot out there. Uh, go, go to the movies, everybody. And don't yeah. just see Marvel films. Even though, like, again, listen, I see every Marvel film. I am part of the problem. Go see other films, too. And you'll be amazed at what's out there and what people have to say. And it's it's a good time. Yeah. And although if you're listening to our podcast, chances are you're probably not just going to yes. see Marvel movies. And you are going to the movies. Because what would we even be talking to you about yeah. if we... That's true. That's true. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful rest of your year. There's not much left, but uh, rock out the last few weeks. And thank you, everybody, for all the ongoing support. You guys are amazing. You know, tell your friends about the show. If if they're into movies and uh, pop culture, be like, I know two very clever, smart, sexy ladies that you should go listen to. Thank you so much. Please follow Meredith on the socials at Meredith L. Clark. You can follow Light Trees and News on Twitter and Instagram. 
And if you want to support us financially, you can go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button, or my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, and donate there. And that like keeps the lights on. So again, thank you so much. And yeah, anything, any, any thought you want to leave people with in the final days of 2022? Uh... This is like the episode of me blindsiding you with huge questions. No, I'm just going to repeat something I said a little bit earlier this year. Um, go out there and do revenge. And I, my advice goes along with that. Fuck the police. <laughs> See? So uh, luckily, you blindsiding me did not cause too much trouble. Excellent. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, as Meredith said, get out there and cause a little trouble. 